Good morning. You know, when you put a face mic on, your like, greatest fear is that they're going to actually hit on while you're down here singing. This early in the morning, that would have not blessed you guys, but uh, I was blessed. Thank you, Eric. Hey, um, my name is Jeff Ward. I get to serve here at Watermark on the external focus team, and we uh, kind of direct all the outreach missions here at Watermark. And so, man, it is just a great joy and privilege to be with you guys this morning. So you guys keep coming in, and let's just pray together first. Lord God, we love you. We do thank you for that unending love, just that amazing love. I just pray, um, we pray that you would just reveal yourself to us in a new way through this passage this morning, Father, that your spirit would be active, a work that we would have attentive ears, uh, Lord, and then that we would apply what we learn. We love you. It's in Jesus' name we pray. Amen. All right. Well, we're going to move fast. So if you've got your Bibles, open them up to Ecclesiastes 11. And so I'll tell you a quick story. I so Blake or Bobby or both sent me, uh, you know, this passage, and they said, hey, we want you to teach this day, this passage. And so I open it up, and I'm looking at it on my computer, and I've, I've got the ESV pulled up, and, and um, so I'm reading this passage, and I'm sitting there going, okay, cast your bread upon the waters, for you will find it after many days. And I'm sitting there going, what? No, what? Like, this is a passage I'd read before a number of times, but ashamed to say that you know, if something doesn't resonate quickly, I have a tendency to push through and go on to the next verse and the next verse. And so I thought, what does this mean? Like, this is such an archaic sort of illustration. And so this is funny. So JP, if you guys know Jonathan Pakuda, who leads the porch on uh, Tuesday nights and, and, and teaches as well, but he was walking by my office and he came in and he saw me kind of rubbing my temples and I'm looking at the screen, he goes, what are you doing? And I go, trying to figure out what this passage is all about. And, and I read it to him and he goes, ah, he goes, that's just God telling us that we need to feed the ducks. So... If you walk out of here with nothing else than a biblical mandate to go feed the ducks, then you're in good company. So it is a strange illustration to us, but it's packed with meaning, and it might just change the way you spend the rest of your day at work and the rest of your week. So let's dive in. And I call this a passage as a roadmap for kingdom entrepreneurs, okay? All right. So... Uh, I pulled up the NET translation, ESV is what I use. NET was put together a number of years ago by a group of DTS profs called the New English Translation. They went back to the original, uh, you know, with manuscripts and they started afresh. And so as I was reading this in the NET, I thought this makes a little bit more, it's a little bit more clear to me. And so I'm going to read from that, but you read in your translation, Ecclesiastes 11, 1 through 2. Send your grain overseas for after many days you will get a return. Divide your merchandise among seven or eight investments, for you do not know what calamity may happen on earth. So the teacher starts with a command to do something with the, with the grain or a bread in your translation. And so what does he mean by grain? What does he mean by bread? Do we have it? And if we do have it, what are we supposed to do with it? Uh, and what does he mean when he says, send it overseas or cast it on the water? So with grain, right, you sow it. You grow it, you can take it and mold it into bread, you can eat it, that would be a safe bet. But this passage is saying something else, to consider taking it and sending it abroad uh, and, and exporting it. And, and um, it is a valuable commodity, grain is a value, valuable commodity, very valuable back in the days when this was written, even more valuable in areas that cha- were challenged agriculturally. And so uh, it was a risky thing to take a commodity, your livelihood grain, and put it on a ship in that day and age, and send it overseas. Uh, you know, shipping back then was much more um, onerous than it definitely is today. And so he's telling us 
He's talking about more than grain here, and he's talking about the things of value that God has given us, that's given to you. And it is a biblical theme throughout Scripture that God has given you talents, resources, um, money, time, all sorts of things for you to invest in kingdom purposes. And you notice that the passage doesn't say, if you have grain, it says, take your grain. So we all have something of value. It might be different, uh, and it, but it's all valuable. And 1 Peter 4, 10 and 11 talks about the gifts that we have and how we use those amongst the church to edify his body and to bring about kingdom purposes in our community. And here's the worst thing that you can do with your grain is use it on yourself. And so if you guys have been around here for any, any amount of time, you know, during the summer we do kind of this hunger month and we do this big canned food drive and dry goods and we invite all of you guys to do neighborhood food drives and to bring your stuff up here and we put it in a truck out in the alleyway and then we take three pretty large deliveries to ministry partners around the community. And so imagine for a minute that we had you guys do that and you brought all these cans and let's say you brought 50 cans, you and your family up and you put them on the truck knowing that they were going to get to our ministry partners and then let's just say that you found out that we had kind of lined up the staff and let them go by the truck and pick out whatever they want, and we had all taken that food home. How would you feel about that? Well, in the same way, God has given you something of value to use, not for yourself, but to advance his kingdom and to invest radically. And so your first discussion question on your yellow sheet down there talks about what is your bread, the gifts, talents, and resources God has given you to invest for his purposes. That's a time for you to think about and do a personal assessment about what has God given you? What, what are you good at? And it's not the time to be humble because we know that everything that you have has been given to you by God to steward. And so go through that and think about, is it time? Is it money? Are you good with people? Do you have influence? Do you have business acumen? What is it? Do you have an ability to use your hands, work with your hands? Don't skip this step. All right. Invest radically. Now that you know you have it, What are you to do with it? And the passage says, cast your bread, throw your bread in other translations. He wants you to use these gifts in radical ways. You are a kingdom entrepreneur. And so he's asking us to send our commodity on ships. And back then, that was a real risk-reward situation, as we talked about, but also a potential for a huge payday. And so let me tell you a quick story. I am not a gambler. Um, in fact, I don't, I don't know how to play any of those games, really. I, I don't even know how to play poker. And so there's my man card for you. So, you know, when I would get invited to poker, you know, nights or whatever, I would basically just give my money to whoever was hosting and just say, I'm just here to have a good time. So I, th- that way all the pressure's off. But I do know how to play, play blackjack. And so uh, one time my um, law partner at the time, I was practicing law, and, and we had gone to Louisiana to do some depositions, and we were coming back. We had a little free time, and he said, let's stop off in Shreveport, and so we did the whole casino thing, and I go in, and I literally, you know, I was young and very little money at that time. I had $50, you know, to spend at the casino, and so I very quickly grew that $50 down to $20 and, uh, and was losing, and then I ended up gaining, you know, back the $50, and then I got, gained another $20 on top of that, and I thought, okay, this is where people get in trouble. I hear about it all the time, so I'm going to take that 50 bucks, and I'm going to put it in a single chip, and I'm going to put it in my pocket, you know, and then at least I'm walking out with what I came in with. And so the moral of that, the, not moral, but the point of that story is that, you know, at that point, when I put the chip in my pocket, I'm playing with house money, right? And so I, I was free to, you know, go wild and radically, you know, bet that $20, you know, that I was up. And so here's the point of that is 
that we can do the same with our grain because we're playing with house money, right? That's not, that's, that is given to us by God to invest um, radically, and entrepreneurs take risks. And the beauty here is that we're not even risking you know, our own assets. They belong to God, and he wants us to be all in casting and throwing that grain. And it's important, I put this picture of these ships on here, um, it's important to have a vision for the ships coming back. And so do you have a God-sized vision of God at work and how you could be deployed to be part of that work? If not, spend some time thinking about that. And the quick version of my story is, so I was uh, practicing law. I loved practicing law. I did that for about uh, 14 years and, um, uh, you know, kind of did the the big firm downtown deal and was making money and we bought our first house. We were newly married, bought our first house. And then, uh, you know, a few years after that, um, was kind of working my way up to the firm. And then we split, started our own firm with a few of my friends and uh, God graced me with some clients, you know, to take with me to do that. And um, we continued to be successful in that and kind of bought a bigger house and all that kind of stuff. And what I tell people now is like during that time, and we were attending church, we were giving, we were serving, but in a lot of ways, man, I was chasing the American dream and just adding church to it. And yet I was feeling like I was firing on all cylinders, right? And not, not realizing that I was just kind of paddling my canoe around the docks and not really investing radically and sending ships out with, with the grain that, that God had given me. And so uh, it really wasn't until I went and visited a ministry that I was thinking about going to work for. Uh, and it was based in D.C. and I was, I was in this conference room and they were flipping through these slides and they were talking about all the work that they were doing around the world. And all of a sudden I was like, man, that is a God-sized vision. God is at work. And like, man, um, how cool is it that this ministry takes people and deploys them in that way? And I remember walking out of that room going, man, there is nothing in my life that requires that kind of dependence on the Lord. There is no vision in my life that requires that kind of radical investment. The only only kind that happens if God shows up and really um, makes that happen. And so spend some time thinking about that. And, um, you know, for me, leaving my, my vocation and coming on staff was part of that. I'm not telling you that that's your path. Um, in fact, I have this growing conviction over the last several years that God has placed you where he wants you um, in your business, in your vocation, in your situation. And you have an amazing ministry opportunity there if you'll view it as a ministry opportunity. Right? And think about the ways that you're casting your grain in and through that vocation. The key is figuring out your impact path and not just your career path. And then it goes on to say, divide among seven or eight investments. Don't put all your eggs into one basket. Diversify. Um, you never know what's going to happen. War, disease, famine, economic collapse, any sort of things can happen uh, and beyond your control. And so what is the project, dream, idea, initiative ministry, that Ephesians 2.10 ministry that God says that you have as a pastor, what is that and how do you get going doing that? Invest radically. Just get started. So understand there is never a perfect time to invest, right? And so read with me Ecclesiastes 11, 3 through 6. I'm going to read fast. If the clouds are full of rain, they will empty themselves on the earth. And whether a tree falls to the south or to the north, the tree will lie wherever it falls. He who watches the wind will not sow. And he who observes the clouds will not reap. 
Just as you do not know the path of the wind or how the bones form in the womb of a pregnant woman, so you do not know the work of God who makes everything. Sow your seed in the morning and do not stop working until the evening, for you do not know which activity will succeed, whether this one or that one or whether both will prosper equally. Here's the message. No risk, no reward. Just get started. And sometimes we're so risk-averse and we want to time the market. We know we can't do that, right? I mean, even guys like me with a little bit invested in the market know when we try to time the market, we'll never invest. And therefore, we'll, have never, we'll never have anything to show for it. And so this is a picture. It's kind of a, a, a funny metaphor for us in this day and age. But it's a farmer. Think about the farmer who's standing there with his hands on his hips, and he's got a boatload of grain behind him, and he's watching these clouds roll in, and he's like, well, if I throw that seed and it rains, it'll wash away. Or if I, if I throw that grain and I'm sowing it, you know, the wind might carry it away. And there's a tree falling, and so there could be a storm coming, or maybe that's indicating something. And so you have this sort of paralysis by analysis, right? And he can't do anything about those particular circumstances. And notice the verbs, what he is not doing. So he's watching the wind, he's observing the clouds. What he is not doing is farming his field. He's trying the best that he can to guess um, what's going to happen. And when things are beyond your control, some people are paralyzed by this fear, or you come up with this sort of plausible or even rational-sounding excuse why you can't just get started. Pursue God's calling. Get involved in that ministry. Um, Do what God's laid on your heart. Just get started. All right? God is at work, so no failure in faithfulness. When we understand that God is at work, we won't fear failure. And we don't have to feel failure fear failure as long as we are faithful, right? And so this passage, 11, Ecclesiastes 11.5, just as you do not know the path of the wind or how the bones form in the womb of a pregnant woman, so you do not know the work of God who makes everything. We know way more today about fetal development than they did thousands of years ago when this passage was written. We know way more about fetal development than we did 10 years ago. We know, you know, we can talk through the steps of fetal development, but at the end of the day, our awe is not diminished, that God brings life, you know, in another life, and how he does that is awe-inspiring, right? And so the writer of Ecclesiastes is inspiring us with this greatness of our maker, of the one who gives, gives us this grain, and he's doing that for a purpose. And faith doesn't mean we're going to understand the meaning of every circumstance. In fact, it just reminds us that God is in is in those circumstances with us and we can trust him. That's verses five and six. And here's the thing. The most important thing about you is what you believe about God. So I'm gonna say that one more time. The most important thing about you is what you believe about God. Because as my friend Blake Holmes says, often we are all theologians. And so what you believe about God will drive everything in your life. It'll drive the relationships that you form. It'll drive your marriage. It'll drive how you parent It'll drive how you steward your vocation. It'll drive how you think about the grain God's given you. It'll drive how you think about investing that. And here's the thing, as, as, as the writer is telling us to invest radically, I would say we invest in direct proportion to what we think about in terms of our sovereign as the one who gave us this grain, right? And so um, this farmer with his hands on his hips is a bad theologian, because he's all tuned into the circumstances that he can't control. He's not sowing. He's not reaping. But yet, 
Kingdom entrepreneurs think of God in a very, very different way. We think about him as uh, someone who could have taken his grain and invested it himself, right? God doesn't need us to accomplish his purposes. He chooses to give us things of incomparable value that we can use then to partner with him in redeeming our community, our world, and investing for kingdom purposes. And when he does that, when he asks us to do these hard things, he's going to equip us, he's going to walk with us, but we can ultimately leave the results up to him, right? We don't have to fear failure as long as we are faithful. And so here's a little illustration I was thinking about even just this morning. I, I am a terrible golfer, terrible. And so if you call me up sometime and ask me to go play golf with you, I'll, I'll love to go. I love to get out there and, you know, and walk the course. But, I, but one of the first things I'm going to tell you is I get more strokes for the money than anybody else. I don't even really keep score because I'm, I'm so bad. It's just, it's just depressing. But here's the thing. There's this wonderful thing in golf called a handicap, right? And so there's a different scorecard for me because I'm a terrible golfer. And so there's grace extended, and it increases my point total to help me kind of feel like I'm competitive with other people that I'm playing with. And if you're really good at golf, the less grace, grace that's extended, the, the single-digit handicapper, um, and here's the thing. There is no handicap when it comes to investing our grain. There is no different scorecard for you than there is for me. And so if I've got one ship of grain, you've got one ship of grain, our scorecard is faithfulness with that ship. If you've got a fleet of ships, your scorecard is faithfulness with what God's given you, and that takes the pressure off. I don't have to compare you know, with, with you and how God has gifted you. I'm called just to be faithful and leave the results up to him. And so here's the question I would ask is, how do you view God? Are you afraid he's going to zap you? You're going to afraid he's, you're going to invest your grain a certain way and it's going to fail and he's going to you know, cut your knees out from under you? Or are you resting in the sovereignty and his grace and his goodness, remembering that what he gave you, he gave you to steward for a purpose and that he's responsible um, for the results? Your faithfulness is the scorecard, period. All right, here's the other thing. You're on the, whoops, quick too fast. You're on the clock, so am I uh, this morning. So I've got about five minutes left. So you're on the clock, and so the rest of that, um, Ecclesiastes 11 into the first part of chapter 12, he wants us to know even there at, towards the end of this book and at the beginning of this book that um, we are only here for a short time. And so, you know, as I was, I was thinking about this, I was talking to my wife, and I, I, I kind of created a funny top ten list of, you know, you're getting old, you know, and I was like, man, you know you're getting old like when you hurt yourself when you're sleeping? That's me these days. I wake up and I'm like, oh, you know, I don't even have to do anything to hurt myself or, you know, um, taking a couple of Advil is my warm-up for the day sometimes. But anyway, uh, later verses in chapter 12 detail this process of aging and uses these interesting metaphors. It'd be fun to kind of walk through if we had time. Um, but these metaphors for the different parts of the body, but the point is clear that, our, that as we age, our bodies are deteriorating. Our, our opportunity for ministry is waning, um, and so we're headed to a new home. And so he talks about rejoice, young man. You've heard the, the adage, youth is wasted on the young. But no, it's not. Youth is a great thing, and he says rejoice. And the point is that God's given you you know, you young guys, your joy. And this is a great time in your life for you to take an assessment, to try new things, to invest in different ways, um, you know, while, while, you, while you can. It's properly the time to play, 
plan, pray, try things, explore new opportunities. But your youth is not to be wasted, and it reminds you that you are still stewarding, investing, and one day, the captain of our ships is going to return, and he's going to ask for an accounting. You're still stewarding, investing, and he's in control. All right, I'm going to let Steve Jobs, you know, close this out, and I I ran across this quote, and I I loved it, and um, wanted to share it with you. So, remembering that I'll be dead soon is the most important tool I've ever encountered to help me make the big choices in life because almost everything, all external expectations, all pride, all fear of embarrassment or failure, these things just fall away in the face of death, leaving only what is truly important. Gang, Steve was quoting Ecclesiastes and probably didn't even know it, right? I'm not sure Steve ever got it, really. But God gave him the right questions to ask, um, as he faced his own mortality. And so here's what I'd close with, is, close with is, and what if we really were living life to the fullest? Thinking about the grain that God's given us and the, the radical investments that we can make um, in understanding that we have this to use for God's kingdom, for his glory, and for our joy. Um, and, we, and we knew that now as opposed to the end of our life. These are the questions the teacher, the writer of Ecclesiastes, is asking as he nears the end of the book. And so let's go, kingdom entrepreneurs. Let's talk about these questions in our small groups, and then let's get busy. So pray with me. Lord God, I thank you for this passage. Lord, I I pray for this group of men, these faces that I'm looking at, the families and businesses they represent. Father, and you've given us all grain. We own that. We acknowledge that. Lord, we want to radically invest. We want to trust you. Um, But we want to be faithful. We don't want to be farmers with a bad theology, Lord. We want a good theology that recognizes that you're sovereign, you're good, you're holy, and you're responsible for the results. We are just responsible to be faithful with what you've given us. Help us to do that today. We love you. It's in Jesus' name we pray. Amen. Thanks, guys.